A King, Forgiveness, a Parable. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. So good of you to join us again today in this episode of Bible Glitter and Glue. David, we have another parable. We do. And why don't we start out by reading the parable. It's found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And that's a little longer parable, but we think it's helpful if we can read the parable before we have our conversation about this parable. So it does actually start with a conversation between Peter and Jesus. So why don't you start us out? Okay. Verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, when my brother sins against me, how many times must I forgive him? Should I forgive him as many as seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, you must forgive him more than seven times. You must forgive him even if he does wrong to you 70 times seven. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who decided to collect the money his servants owed him. So the king began to collect his money. One servant owed him several million dollars, but the servant did not have enough money to pay his master, the king. So the master ordered that everything that the servant owned should be sold, even the servant's wife and children. The money would be used to pay the king what the servant owed. But the servant fell on his knees and begged, Be patient with me. I will pay you everything I owe. The master felt sorry for his servant. So the master told the servant he did not have to pay. He let the servant go free. Later, that same servant found another servant who owed him a few dollars. The servant grabbed the other servant around the neck and said, Pay me the money you owe me. The other servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me. I will pay you everything I owe. But the first servant refused to be patient. He threw the other servant into prison until he could pay everything he owed. All the other servants saw what happened. They were very sorry. So they went and told their master all that had happened. Then the master called his servant in and said, You evil servant, you begged me to forget what you owed. So I told you that you did not have to pay anything. I had mercy on you. You should have had the same mercy on that other servant. The master was very angry, and he put the servant in prison. To be punished. The servant had to stay in prison until he could pay everything he owed. This king did what my heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The verses leading up to this parable, David, are about God's love 
for people about how he doesn't want us to put aside those who are troubled and in need. The idea that we should bring them back to the fold. In the very verses right before this, he had just been talking about how to confront somebody who is sinning, how that we should go to them personally, not just write them off, but we should make attempts to help them repent and come back. This idea of forgiveness and second chances is on the mind of Peter when he asks that question. Yeah, that's right. You know, this parable, it hits home to me because it challenges me to be willing to do one of the most difficult things of all that is to forgive someone who has hurt me. That's not an easy thing to do. So I need to ask myself the question, how do I respond to mistreatment? This parable is is helpful for me. It does really hit home. All of us can think of a time when someone did us wrong. And I want you to notice that Peter didn't begin by asking Jesus, suppose or if. He said, no, when? When my brother sins against me? And unfortunately, people will let us down. People will hurt us, either intentionally or unintentionally. Peter wants to do the right thing because he says, should I forgive him as many as seven times? And I just imagine Peter thought, you know, that I'm being very generous. The number seven represents or has the idea of completeness. So Peter asks, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus responds, and it's both surprising and challenging. Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. Seven already seems really hard. Forgiving someone seven times is hard. It's not just anyone. It's my brother who sins against me. So this is someone close who has sinned against you. Now, the 77 times or 70 times seven, that number may possibly be an allusion to the book of Genesis chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. There, it's about Lamech, and Lamech is the seventh generation from Adam. We go from Adam to Cain, and then Cain had children and grandchildren, all the way down to Lamech. Lamech threatened revenge to the utmost degree, because in verse 23 and 24 of Genesis chapter 4, it says, Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I killed a man for wounding me. I killed a young man for hitting me. Cain's killer may be punished seven times, but Lamech's killer will be punished 77 times. That's the illusion. Then forgiveness then is presented as the exact opposite of revenge. Instead of getting revenge when someone wrongs you, you do the opposite. You forgive because revenge ends up destroying but forgiveness ends up healing. David, I have never even thought about that verse. Thank you for bringing that in. I hadn't thought about that illusion. But 77 may come from the law. There in the law, it's commanded that debts be forgiven every seven years from Deuteronomy chapter 15. And then that every 49 years, which is seven times seven, the year of Jubilee, all debts were forgiven. Slaves were freed property was restored to its ancestral owners. The year of Jubilee was was something like a great reset when everyone can begin again with a clean slate. 
So the 77 may be an allusion to one or both of these, and maybe both. All of these numbers being tossed around aren't just random. The people there that day would have understood what Jesus was talking about. But that idea of a reset, a clean slate, that's forgiveness, isn't it? It's it's starting over. Yeah, It's allowing someone to start over. That's forgiving them. Right. Then Jesus tells this parable to drive home this point. This first servant seems to have some responsibility that the king expects some money from him. He was doing work for him. So it's like, show me the money. And he owed the king more than he could ever hope to pay. Because it says that he owed him several million dollars. In the original language, it's 10,000 talents. And a talent was approximately 6,000 days wage. You take 6,000 times 10,000, and that's how much this servant owed the king. That is a lot of money. It's it's way beyond. And I think that's Jesus' point. He wants us to see it's way beyond what this man would be ever able to do. And the fact that the king listens to this man begging, how rich that king must be in the first place that we're talking that much money being owed, that he would turn around and even contemplate forgiving this debt is unbelievable. Another aspect of a parable, saying something that everyone is just probably going to gasp when they hear this. Here is this man begging to be forgiven this huge amount of money. The king ordered the servant sold, even the servant, or everything he had should be sold, even his wife and children. Now, wait a minute. Let's talk about that. This idea of his wife and children being sold, that's a different concept from anything we know today. Yeah, that sounds so harsh and cruel, but back in that day, that happened. There were a lot of reasons for someone to go into debt, and it's very hard to make a living. Most people were poor And so it wasn't all uncommon to sell everything you had. And if you're still in debt, then you had to sell your wife and children. It really wasn't an option. Not just your wife and children. People would even sell themselves when they were in debt. Yes, and that happened. So you would go to someone and say, I will be your slave for the rest of my life if you will pay this debt. Yeah, there were ways to get out of slavery, but often people didn't. That was just their new reality. It was harsh, yeah. So the servant just begged. What else could he do? He begged for mercy. He begged for patience. And he promised to pay the king back. And I think the king knew that there was no way his servant could pay him back. It's interesting that the king, on hearing this, what I would call ridiculous request, this man had nothing to offer. There's no way even if he worked his whole life, even if he sold his wife and his children, sold everything he had, he could never pay this amount of money back. I find it amazing that the king is touched by this man's begging. His heart is touched. It says, verse 27, the master felt sorry for him and just said, basically, I forgive you. I forgive your debt. He told the servant he did not have to pay. He let the servant go free as a free man. Wow. You just kind of want to sit and think about that for a moment, that you could owe 
a thousand mortgages, and the bank just says, no, you don't have to pay. (laughs) It's just crazy. You would think that servant would just be so joyful. It would just change his life. But that's not the end of the parable. That's only the half. We're only halfway through. It says in verse 28, later, this servant that had been forgiven this huge debt found another servant who owed him a few dollars. In the original, it says 100 denarii. And a denarii was approximately one day's wage for a day laborer. It wasn't a lot of money. He owed him about 100 days worth of labor. And that would pay off his debt. So it wasn't so small, but it was doable. This is a debt he could pay. And yet, this servant who had been forgiven that huge, huge debt does the unthinkable. He goes to violence. He grabs this other servant by the neck and he says, you must pay the money. I mean, this is horrible. What kind of person who had just been forgiven all of that would turn around and be so abusive and so demanding to someone who owed him only a small amount? And yet that's what he does. I mean, what's he going to do with that money, David? He doesn't have to pay debts. He must plan to go spend it on himself again. That's the second surprising thing in this parable, the king forgiving this servant of this huge debt. And now the servant and the way he's acting, that's not natural either. He's being like Lamech, isn't he? You know, he's wanting revenge. He wants to get even. He's not willing to be merciful or even patient because the man says, be patient with me. But he's, he wasn't even willing to allow the man to pay it off. And he could, like you said. And he throws him in prison. He has him put in prison. I always found this, I even remember reading this as a child, David, this idea, thrown in prison until he can pay his debts. Well, in prison, how are you going to pay your debts? You're not going to make any money. Yeah, that's like a catch-22. It really is. He is stuck, I guess, until possibly someone just out of mercy comes and pays his debt. But it's a sad state of affairs, and other people notice it. Yeah, this man maybe thought he was scot-free, but all of the other servants, they saw what happened. They ran and told the king. The king then calls the servant in, and he's very angry. Well, we already know this is a king who has a heart. He had not forgiven that servant because the servant had done anything to earn that. He had given that forgiveness from his own heart. Now he's showing he's being the king. He is no pushover. He had let this man go free only to find out this man had been abusive and mean and unforgiving to the others around him. So now there is a new debt to pay, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. He ends up being thrown in prison. This parable is focused on the idea of being merciful and forgiving, but God is a just God as well. So the God is being just in throwing this servant, this unmerciful servant, into prison. And Jesus says that our Heavenly Father is like this king. He is like this king in his desire to forgive. He is like this king, this mercy that he feels towards everyone. And yet he is the king of the universe. 
He's no pushover. He is not going to allow someone a new, clean slate if that person will only go and hurt others, abuse others, and totally take advantage. God is no pushover. This is just a reminder of just how important it is for us to get along with one another, to have healthy whole relationships with one another. And there are a few times in the Scripture, in the Gospels, and this is one of those places where we're reminded that we really can't expect to have a relationship with God if our relationship with our brother or sister is not right. I think that's the punchline for us. God will not forgive us if we are not willing to forgive our brother and sister from our heart. So our forgiveness is dependent on our forgiving others. That's a lot to swallow. That's a lot to think about. It's also interesting that the king had a heart, and then Jesus ends this parable with a statement that God expects us to forgive from the heart. These are not just words. These are not just empty actions or forgiveness because we have to, because we grudgingly give forgiveness. He's asking us to do this from the heart. David, I do think it's worth mentioning here, too, that God sees the heart. Unlike this king who forgave this first time because he couldn't see this servant's heart. He just knew in his own heart he wanted to forgive, and he gave mercy to this servant. But God sees the heart. And I think it's important to note that the forgiveness here is not about letting people hurt others, just saying, it's okay, I forgive you. The king in this story is concerned with justice. When people heard this parable, the injustice was clear. Here is someone who was forgiven but refused to forgive others. That is not just. And God is concerned about justice. Someone who says, I am hurting you, but you have to forgive me say, in an abuse kind of situation, or someone is taking advantage of a person who has no power and then saying, you must forgive me, the Bible says, that's not justice. And this should never be misused in that way. People there and people now know that God is concerned with justice. Forgiveness is part of justice. And that's a good point to remember, Mary. I'm just thinking that the king expected the servant that he forgave to have his heart, and God expects us to have his heart. One thing I think we can see in the parable or understand from the parable is that all of us are in need of forgiveness. And maybe the point is that, and compared to the king, we have a lot of debt to the king. But to one another, we don't have a lot of debt with each other. So if the king is willing to forgive us... We need to forgive one another. Oh, that is such a good perspective to have, because I know personally I have been forgiven so much by God. And as hard as it is, I do have to remind myself to mete out that same forgiveness to other people. There's a great memory verse that I would probably use in a children's class 
from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and the context talking about the new Christian life. It says, Be kind and loving to each other, forgive each other, just as God forgave you in Christ. I think that would be a great memory verse for kids to have in their hearts. Forgiveness is something that it sounds strange in a way, but I, I think I'd like children to practice, to see how that might relate in everyday situations. I would go so far as to have a child stand in for someone, and I would go and maybe even get down on my knees and hold their hand and say, I am going to ask you forgiveness. When you were outside, I went in your room and I played with your favorite doll and I didn't mean to, but I, I, when I picked up the doll, her dress tore. I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me and let that child forgive and children Oh, they forgive right away. <laughs> it's so natural to them. And then maybe I'd role play another scenario. I'd go to another child and say, I've really been thinking about that text I sent you on my phone. That was a really mean text. And I, I think maybe I hurt your feelings. I should never have sent that. Would you please forgive me? I never want to do that again. And again, children will say quickly, I forgive you, because that's a natural and fun thing to do. If I ask a group of children, David, have you ever forgiven somebody? Did you know they have a hard time thinking of when they have forgiven? Hmm. And the reason for that is they've forgotten. <laughs> Unlike us adults who, no, we have no problem bringing up a lot of scenarios of when well, people have hurt us and then we, we say, well, we forgave them, but... If we really forgave them, it probably wouldn't be so easy to recall. Just one more thing I think I would do to help children understand this parable a little better is to do a little bit of comparison. I might bring some ads from the newspaper or online ads for the cost of a few items, like some smaller toys or some lollies, candy, those kind of things. And then I'd also bring along some real estate ads with some expensive houses. And we'd look at some costs for all of these things and do some costing and ask the children, what do you think is an expensive thing? And what do you think is an inexpensive thing? And as a lead-in to telling this story, because I want them to understand what this king was forgiving was like the cost of a house. And what this servant was not forgiving was like the cost of a candy bar. It was not much at all. So just helping them understand that comparison. This is a lesson for life. So I do want children to be exposed to this whole idea of forgiveness but as the years go by, David, you've got the adults now in your in your Bible class. I guess they've got this down now, right? They've well, practiced forgiveness and so easy now as adults, right? Unfortunately, no. It's much harder as an adult. This is a difficult one, actually, because there's not just one simple, easy, creative way to forgive and then move on as if something that you're asked to do in an adult class could accomplish this because all of us have been hurt by others 
and we carry with us maybe some hurt still. And you can't just say, okay, do this, do that, and then forgiveness is there. No, it's much harder. Of course, the thing we ought to be doing is praying. We can pray for courage to say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness. We can pray for strength to forgive others, even if you don't feel like forgiving. And you can pray for strength to forgive, even if you don't want to forgive. You can pray that you will want to want to forgive. we got to remember, everyone is different in this. The deeper the hurt, the more difficult it is to, to work through that, to be able to get to a point where we forgive. So we need to learn to take baby steps and be patient with one another. And maybe one thing that can be done is if someone is hurting you and you need to and you know you need to forgive that person, instead of going to that person and speaking to them, you might not can do that right now, but maybe what you could do is just write them a letter about how they've hurt you and how you want to be able to forgive them. I don't know how you want to write that, but write all this in a letter. And you don't have to send it, but you can write your feelings out on paper. You can help work through your feelings that way. Mm. Over time... I think that's been my experience. Some things that maybe seemed impossible to forgive as time passed and God worked on my heart, I eventually was able to forgive. The depth and the magnitude of some hurts are such that you might even need to see a counselor to talk through some of those hurts. It sometimes takes a lot of untangling of hurts and things that have happened to us to get to a point to forgive. Be patient with yourself, but be determined to get to that point because the master wants us, the king wants us to forgive one another. Keep working at that. That would be my suggestion. Mm. And I just remember in Luke's gospel on the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Again, the master teacher has shown us that a parable, a story can get right to our hearts. He knows that by listening to this The hearts of the people around him are touched. And that's what I want to do when I teach, David. And I know you do, too. I don't want to just be saying a lot of facts for children to know. I want them to be touched in their hearts. And may God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children.